2: Welcome to the Bass, Kayak, and Beers segment of the Paddle and Fin Network. It's your host Armando Solá, and on this segment we kick back with a special guest and talk about life, kayak fishing, and the pursuit of big bass. So get your cold brews on and enjoy the show. So welcome once again to the Bass, Kayak, and Beers podcast on the panel and fin network presented by douglas rods go check out DouglasOutdoors.com to see their full lineup of bait casting reels spinning reels and even uh fly fishing rods i'm sorry i said reels rods so go check them out you can find your nearest uh authorized dealer and if you don't have an authorized dealer you can also check out their authorized online dealers so thank you again everyone for listening and joining on today's episode today i got mr vince Morton, another great angler from the uh, North, Miss West, right?
3: Uh, yep. Wisconsin it. is it, Vince? Uh, I'm right on the border of Wisconsin and Illinois, so I fish both states. Nice. How's the um, how's the fishing up there, man? I
2: I, I used I work actually at the airport, and I oh, okay. always see guys uh, going fly fishing up there. And I always, when I get a chance to talk to them, I'll always ask them. Even the other day, I was talking to a nice gentleman who's going fly fishing in Wisconsin and they I've heard it very a lot of people refer to it as God's country and I thought maybe that's like a county that's actually called God's country <laughs> or it's just that it's that beautiful how beautiful
3: is it i need to go over there man. the northwoods they call it the northwoods and that's northern wisconsin and that is for sure god's country it's absolutely beautiful up there i mean it's something that you know you can see pictures of it you can see videos and whatever else but it's something that you got to truly go and and it, experience for yourself um it's just amazing up there. there's tons of lakes and tons of tons of forest preserves and it is it's just truly beautiful up there
2: i know i know we have out of dallas we have some seasonal flights to those areas over there some excuse my um ignorance but is there such a place that's it's that it's called god's country or did people out there refer to it that way because of the beauty of it
3: I think just because of the beauty of it, you know, I don't think anybody actually saw like God walking down the street. Yeah. They're like, oh, <laughs> That's oh he does sure. own, yeah, he owns this. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I, uh, I, I, I don't,
3: go ahead. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know how that name came around to tell you the truth. I think, uh, it just started and everyone's like, yeah, okay, sounds good. <laughs> I imagine. I love to go over there. Do you do any much fly fishing up there in Wisconsin? No, I've never fly fished in my life, actually. No, really? No. It's something I wouldn't mind giving a, a, you know, I wouldn't mind trying it out. Um, but I just don't think I'd have the patience for it. I think that's something that you've really got to have the patience for. But I don't know. I'm a power fisherman, so. <laughs> I. And this is going to being a little bit ignorant
2: again. I think of fly fishing in the term, in the way that I see golf. Like, I love golf, playing golf. But it's one of those things where you're not actively playing, playing, playing golf it's not that enjoyable but it's not like playing basketball or other sports where you can you know riding your bike you know once you learn to ride your bike that's it you know you learn you don't forget riding your bike at least most of us don't but i think of fly fishing as playing with golf you're not constantly playing 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 you're not going to get the hang of it you're not going to enjoy it that much that's just me i've never done fly fishing would love to start but that's kind of like the way i see it Maybe I'm being ignorant. Maybe it's not that hard. But I always feel just because it feels like, a, like a, I don't know, a beauty of it. You know, just like yeah. a lot of skills um, to to dominate, you know, that, that casting. So it may be, maybe not. Like I said, maybe I'm just being ignorant. But anyways, Vince, thank you so much for joining our show. Tell us a little bit about yourself, man. What do you do for a living other than kayak fishing? Um, how do you got into fishing? How do you got into kayak fishing and all that good stuff?
3: Sure. Uh, so I'm 27 years old. Uh, I've been fishing my whole life. My grandmother is actually the person that got me into fishing. Really? Uh, yeah. I used to spend the summers. She had a cabin up in Northern Wisconsin. And so my sister and I would spend the uh, the summers up there at her cabin and her, her cabin was right on this lake that we would fish on all the time. And, uh, she'd just take us out there with night crawlers and she'd kick our butts. She'd, she'd just outfish us all day and I'd get so mad at her because she'd be catching everything under the sun. And so once I finally started figuring out, you know, like different techniques and different things to do, it just stuck to me and it just became an obsession. And I wanted to keep doing it more and more and more and just catching bigger fish. And, you know, and then it started uh, like showing my, my friends how to fish and my family, you know, my other family members that weren't fishing much, it just turned into this huge addiction and never, it hasn't left. It's just continued to grow more. And now I'm getting into kayak fishing. Well, the last eight years I've been now kayak fishing. And now this is starting to become a, another chapter of my life because now this year I'm doing tournaments. And uh, now I'm becoming obsessed with this and just looking forward to see where this takes me now.
2: That's a, that's a lot of years, kayak fishing, considering how, how young the sport is. What kind of kayaks did you use when you started off doing kayak fishing? Was it a real uh,
3: kayak uh, kayak for fishing or just kayak that you just happened to use for fishing? Technically, it was a real kayak for fishing. It was an Old Town Vapor uh, Angler Edition, and it's a sit-in sit-in style kayak. And I just wanted something that I could get off the bank and not spend a ton of money on. So it was like a perfect $300 kayak. And, man, I, I took that thing everywhere. I went on big lakes with it, rivers. And... Eventually got to the point where I was like, well, this is awesome and all, but man, it'd be great to be able to stand up. And after a few years went by, um, then I was looking into like more pricier kayaks and things that I'd be able to advance, be more advanced in when it comes to fishing. So I ended up getting a bonafide 107 and I loved that kayak. I had that kayak for a year or two and then i was like well now i kind of want to go pedal drive because i wanted to do tournaments and just paddling around lakes wasn't going to be able to cut it so now uh right now i'm in a 2020 native uh titan ten and a half and i i love this kayak
2: yeah that that is a great kayak i was actually fishing with christian fisher um, not Christian Fisher, I'm sorry, Catherine Fields, I apologize, Catherine Fields, I was switching to Catherine Fields, one of my favorite uh, pro anglers over the weekend, and she, I think she rocks that same one, it's it's a tank, but it's a super stable kayak from what I could see, really nice kayak, so. Oh yeah,
3: definitely.
2: Have you, have you um, caved in to the motor trend or not yet? No, I I will
3: never, I, you know never? what, you're just going, no. <laughs> <laughs> even just going uh, pedal drive was hard enough for me. So a little background. Um my grandfather used to build canoes and kayaks and would race them.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So oh, really yeah. I mean, so even just going to a pedal drive kayak, my grandpa, would, you know, I probably not thrilled about it. <laughs> but uh yeah, I don't know, man. I think putting a once you put a motor on a kayak, you're just kind of crossing that line because I still want to be able to call it a kayak. Yeah, you know. But I'm, not, I'm sure a lot of other people don't agree with that, but it is my take on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's something for everyone out there. You know, see the Hobie events that um, it's just kayak pedal or paddle. Um, KBF, you can do borders, and I think Bassmasters, you can do border as well. So there's there's always tournaments for everyone out there. I'm kind of like in the same line that you are. I figured I like it more for the exercise. Like that, yeah. I don't have that much time free right now, that I can go to the gym and all that. And if I have free time, honestly, if I'm not spending with my wife, um, then I, I just want to go kayak fishing, you know? Right. I don't want to stay home or do, I don't want to be a couch potato. So any free time that I would have to go to the gym, I would just go to kayak fishing.
1: Yep. And
2: I had a motor, I'd probably, man, i will probably be a lot bigger dude than I am right now, not in a good <laughs> way. Because it's, it's my only form of exercise, you know? Sure, sure. Um, and it's an accomplishment. When you use that, whether I, I started using that Strava app that was more for when I do mountain biking, it will tell me how much I rode and and all that and all the details, elevations. So I uh, used to do that for, put the settings for kayak and it'll tell me, you know, how how much I pedaled or paddled. Um, and now I'm using the Angler app. And every time I look at it, it's like 10 miles, uh, in my case, pedaling, because I have a pedal yeah. kayak. It's, it, it makes me feel good about it. Right. Um, there are undeniable advantages of having um, uh, some of the motors out there just being able to move fast and, and not, you know, worrying yourself out, especially if you're in a tournament, other motors like old town, the um, autopilot, we can just stay in one spot instead of having to anchor in or, you know, pedal or paddle It's definitely an advantage, but I am kind of like in the same way. And um, I just, I'd rather just have, the pedal drive. That's to me, that's as far as I go. Now, ask me tomorrow, if I may change my mind because there's another technology out there, out there that interests me. But it, to me, it's crossing that line. I'm no longer in a kayak, now I'm in a boat. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just me, my personal feeling. And again, I have the right to change your opinion. And maybe, maybe I'll, a year from now, I feel different about it. But right. for now, I kind of fall in line in the same aspect and, uh, you know, not hating on anybody or any company. No. Out there. Does the that everybody there's something for everyone out there. Anyways, I'm going yeah. on and on. Um, how how was that experience for you going from bank fishing to kayak fishing? How big was that learning curve for you when you moved on to fishing from a kayak?
3: It definitely excelled my fisherman skills for sure. Um, because it you know, getting in a kayak forced me off the bank, so it forced me to learn new skills you know stuff that i would have never done from the bank or not as or maybe not as uh done as well from a kayak being able to throw deep crankbaits or mm-hmm. drop shot in 30 feet of water or dragging a jig and 25 feet of water over a rock hump you know like it it made me learn and do new things that i wouldn't have done on the bank was it a big learning curve though because I'm, i would imagine and right now after eight
2: years you can definitely say you've grown as an angler but Immediately after, like, let's say a week, well, not a week, but like the first few months of kayak fishing, depending how long, how active you were kayak fishing, do you thought there was a learning curve where you're like, man, I'm kind of have to relearn how to fish just because I'm seeing it from a different perspective and angle? Or was it just oh, yeah natural?
3: No, definitely, because, you know, what a lot of people fail to realize too is not only do you have to be a good fisherman, but you have to be a good kayaker, learning boat position, learning. Yeah. You know how to control the the boat and wind and current and you know uh, you know different lakes are going to fish different different ways and so you know learning how to be a good kayaker also was huge once I started kayak fishing you know I did I didn't realize you know how much goes into it once I got into the kayak there's, there's a lot more that goes into it yeah
2: the stealthiness I think is one of the things that I at least I struggle a lot and I think a lot of of us um, especially if you go from directly from fishing out a bank to fishing out a kayak without any having any kayak experience and by kayak experience, i don't mean like kayak fishing but just being on a kayak like people that do that not necessarily fishing but just like as a hobby
1: instead yeah. of
2: going like mountain biking or running they do kayaking you know right when you, there's you know you're you're always trying to learn and there's that clumsiness that comes when you're starting and then you're making all that noise and i think a lot of it that's the biggest thing once you get able to get comfortable with your surroundings surroundings meaning your kayak and and know where get used to where everything goes where you can just reach out you don't have to look even look just reach over your shoulder you know what yeah. rod is there what bait is yeah. there where your tackle yep. is without making a ton of racket yeah
0: i think exactly. that
2: that's one step that a lot of people like don't get, And I didn't get it until I realized, yeah, I'm not making as much of a noise, and I am seeing the results of forest landing fish.
3: Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Well,
2: So once you got out of um, the old town, or, or assuming if you don't have it already, right? But what did you move on to? The native, or there was other in-betweens?
3: Yeah, so I went to a Bonafide 107. Oh, yeah, you because, said the Bonafide. Yeah, sorry, yes, yeah sorry. no, it's okay. And I did that because I wanted to be able to stand up. Mm-hmm. Um just again advancing my fishing skills it was nice being able to stand up because i i was able to flip and pitch you know when i you know wasn't really able to do that in the sit-in kayak now i was able to go up to a dock and be able to flip underneath it and or come up uh, to some bushes on a tree line and flip under these bushes where i wouldn't really be able to do that in my sit-in kayak so that was the whole reason why I went to the stand-up and it was just nice being able to stretch my legs, you know, because mm-hmm. after sitting in a sit-in kayak for four hours, you're just, your back is killing you. Yeah. So that's when I went to the Bonafide and I, I loved that kayak. If anybody listening is thinking about going to the Bonafide, any of the Bonafides really, I highly recommend it. I, I really didn't want to get rid of that boat. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, when I went to tournament fishing, I wanted a pedal drive kayak. So Bonafide not making one and I didn't want to go to a motor, Um, Native was kind of my next step. Mm
1: -hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price Got your happy price price line
2: that's pretty cool man yeah bona fides are just so so stable especially when you want to you know flip on the uh, skip or flip uh under docks and all that yeah the bona fide is hard to beat with that stability it's a great time and i'm sure it's native as well that that thing is is uh, in, a, in a good way, it's like a barge, fishing barge, because you're just standing on a very stable platform.
3: I, I honestly thought that nothing was going to be more stable than my bona fide. I was like, there's no way there's a kayak that's more stable than this. And then I got my native, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is way, <laughs> way more stable than my bona fide. I, I don't understand, man. It's just like every year, the technology for these kayaks are just getting more and more ridiculous, as far as stability it's like pretty soon you're not gonna be able to tip these things over anymore yeah you yeah know. when you look at the
2: um, what I forgot the name of the gentleman um but the apex the new apex watercraft yeah it's it's a little pricey and that's not for everyone but I mean the stability on it <laughs> that, that right thing is crazy stable um, oh yeah and again it, it there's no perfect kayak out there and I'm sure some people love it, some people hate it. It's not for everyone. But yeah, you can see where that could be heading. And that's that's the beauty of the sport. As it grows, um, more and more uh, companies and more and more investors are gonna look at kayak fishes like, hey, you know, this is a good opportunity to invest. That's gonna improve the products out there, not just the lures or the rods or the reels, but also the kayak uh, manufacturers. It's either, either, you know, they wanna have to one up each other um and build a better kayak or lower their prices which either way is uh, good for the consumer right you know, you oh yeah get the same kayak cheaper or um or you spend more and get a better kayak than you would have if the sport was stagnant yeah. how is the experience for you now going into being a tournament angler
3: what's the uh, biggest difference for you when you're out there fishing it's definitely more intense. Um, I was so used to just going out, relaxing, taking the kayak out and just, you know, bringing a couple beers with me and I was just a weekend warrior, you know? And now with the tournament setting, it's like, man, I got to catch five fish, you know? And, uh, I don't know. And I, I have such a competitive drive to begin with. So mm-hmm. now that, you know, you add the tournament setting, it's like, it's just changed everything for me. Um, you know, as before, like maybe I'd go and check a, a lake out and try to figure it out and, you know, just relax and have fun while I'm out there. And now it's like, I'm pre-fishing. I'm looking at maps all night. I'm studying it on Google maps. I'm looking at my Navionics. I'm, you know, just dissecting this lake as much as I can. I'm, I'm out there two days before the, the tournament and I'm pre-fishing from morning till dark. I'm pedaling, for miles on end, covering water, eliminating water, and trying to figure out what the fish are doing. And it's just, it's just so much more intense now. And then on tournament day, it's like my nerves are completely shot and it's like, I forgot (laughs) even how to fish. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, but I love it, man. I'm absolutely having a blast and I've been pretty lucky so far this year. Um, The tournament that I just had on Sunday was on Lake Wisconsin And, uh, I placed second place in that tournament and that, that lake was fishing tough. Um, so I was pretty proud of myself to be even able to get second place because it it was some tough fishing. How, how was your bag? The limit on it? I had 79 inches, but then one of my, not bad, especially for this lake, um, there was a major mayfly hatch so the smallmouth were just gorging on these mayflies so you know we're competing with all the mayflies that are on the lake it's it, it made for a tough bite um and they had to they canceled the tournament early because there was potential for storms coming in so we had to cancel the tournament three hours early and i think if we had a full day of fishing i might have placed in first place because i was just starting to figure those fish out and uh you know, we had to cut it early, so... But I'm happy. I, I, I can't complain.
2: No, second place, always good. Well, I mean, it's not as good as first, but it's still a good result. How much oh, yeah. was the winning bag? Uh, I think it was 82 or 83 inches. Oh, so it's, no, it's not bad. It's not like you were blown out of the water just a few inches, so... No. What what, uh, what were you figuring out, if you don't mind talking about it, or maybe you want to keep that, you know, for the next tournament, no, uh, I don't do mind. sleep. But but what what were you figuring it out that you thought that gives you you know makes you believe that you would have figured it out early or would have had more time you would have won.
3: So when I went out there and pre-fished, um, so the, the let me restart. The Lake Wisconsin is part of a river fishery.
1: It's mm-hmm. part of the
3: Wisconsin River. So this lake actually fishes more like a river, oh. and so I knew it was going to be a smallmouth bite. And to me. I've been fishing smallmouth my whole life. So to me, when I'm thinking smallmouth, I'm thinking topwater baits, crankbaits. You know, you're just typical smallmouth-style baits, and they weren't eating any of it. They, I would catch them on topwater here and there, but I just still wasn't getting the bites that I knew I was going to need to win this tournament. So I was, you know, on tournament day, I was like, man, what am I going to do? And so I'm on my first spot. And I'm just kind of watching. I'm just watching to see what these fish are doing. And, you know, sure enough, they're eating all the mayflies. And I'm like, okay, I know for sure they're eating mayflies. How can I catch them? You know, if they're gorging on all these mayflies. And then so I started going through all my tackle. And I'm like, do I have anything that looks like a mayfly? Can I resemble this bait at all? And I'm going through my plastics. And I find these, this old pack of worms that I had that I got in a mystery tackle box. They're made by Biospawn. Now I can't remember the name of the worm. What I ended up doing was I cut this worm into a Ned rig and I made like my own little homemade Ned rig
1: mm-hmm. and it,
3: it literally perfectly imitated these, these mayfly. I could tell like after these mayfly had been sitting in the water for a while, they would almost turn to a white color. And these mm-hmm. worms were like almost like a, a clear uh, white. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, but I threw it out there. I'm like, might well, as well try it. And first cast with this Ned rig, and I caught a 17 incher. I was like, oh my God, no way. And I was like, okay, so I get, you know, I measure them, get a picture of it, it's all good, throw them back. And I'm like, you know, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe this is really what they're going to want. I throw it in the same spot, boom, 15 and a half incher, second cast. I'm like, no way. Okay, this is it, you know, and just we got went party. on a tear. Yep, just went on a tear for, I don't know, four hours. Just what well, the thing that sucked was, This Nedrig was catching everything. I was catching striped bass. I was catching carp. I was catching drum because they all are eating the mayflies. It was pretty frenzy. Right. So I had to weed through the dinks of smallmouth to get to the, you know, the numbers that I needed. And once I started getting into, like, bigger fish, I started catching more 15 inches. Like I said, that's when the tournament had to get cut short. So, and I was trying other spots where I was catching them. And I'm like, man, if I just had a few more hours, I could weed through some of these, you know, weed more through the dinks and look for these bigger bites. I maybe would have got first place. Who knows? But, yeah, it was it was a ton. It was a blast. And especially because I don't ever throw the Ned Rig. I'm more of a power fisherman. This was only the second, second time I've ever thrown the Ned Rig. And so I went from never throwing it to throwing it all day long, you know, during the tournament. So that was new to me. That was something um, that I've never done before. So. That's fine.
2: That's pretty interesting. Let me ask you this, because a lot of times when we, you know, when we have we have experience uh, fishing in and then we we apply that knowledge or experience to where the circumstances are. A lot of it is just kind of like hand me down information. You know, by that I mean watching, you know, YouTube channels whether it's Fluke Master, Tactical Bassing, or listening to podcasts like. um uh, fishing for noobs here on the panel and fan you know different social media aspects that um, help you figure things out you know oh when the bite you know when the weather is is really hot you know go for deep ledges when it's pre-spawn do this when it's post-spawn do that and so on and so forth but you were able to figure out something you can say by yourself in the sense that there's there was not a, that's not a pattern that would be right there on the books that somebody say oh yeah if this you see this do this this and this and this right and you learned it by watching or reading or listening right yeah this is something that you figured it out because you put two and two together and decided you know what light bulb came up i'm gonna try this how satisfying for you was that you know that that you were able to figure that out and made it to second place and could have gotten first place. Like you just mentioned, you oh, know, a, was, the, the, the difference between just something that
3: you learn watching something that you discovered yourself. How satisfying was that? It was? it was a great feeling because it made me feel like, you know, I know what I'm doing. It made me mm. feel like like a, an accomplished angler, like a, yeah, you know, well-rounded angler. Like, okay, you know, I, maybe I do have a few tricks up my sleeves here and there that, you know, just something that you're going to have to get out there and, and experience and do. You know, you're not gonna be able to just learn that from watching YouTube videos or reading it in a magazine. Like, that's something you gotta put yourself out there on the water. Look what these fish are doing. Look what they're eating. Where are they going? Where are they at? And apply your skills and knowledge and go out there and try to, you know, make something happen. So, yeah, it was an awesome feeling. Just, it made me feel like, like I said, made me feel like I know what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, that's a good point because I think that's what's gonna separate more than anything. That's just the results. But more than anything, being able to figure things out on the fly and have good results, even if you don't win, is what's going to separate you from your you know regular um, tournament angler to, I don't want to say elite, but that accomplished or solid or angler. You know, yeah. maybe elite too, but that ability to just kind of like Think outside the box and get results. Now it's not always gonna get you results, but it's just that mentality of not falling for everything that 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 you've read or listened or or watched on YouTube. Um, granted, there's a reason why all that information is out there, it's because it's proven techniques and all that. And you know, the knowledge is there, it's not like I said, it's not that hard to figure it out. It's not that hard to figure out that if you're not Really cold winter, thirty degree uh, water temperatures. You're not gonna throw a top water,
1: you know. Sure, sure. But
2: but then again, that ability to just say, hey, you know what? I'm seeing something that kind of like outside the box. Let me let me think outside the box. Let me apply this, and being able to what's gonna separate each angler, and that takes time. That there's no way you can brush that. There's no way that you can say that you can grasp that co- not only no- um knowledge but confidence. Yeah. To do that, because a lot of times it's we're our own worst uh, competition. You know, a lot of times it's just like uh, doubting ourselves, losing confidence on our bait. Uh, where all we have to give is a little bit more time or being afraid to go make that switch or think outside the box because we think it's not going to get results. So we stick to that cookie cutter, um, you know, information that's out there and yeah. that's still not producing results. So I think that, that that's a very interesting point. You know, that's what's going to separate you. A lot of times just our, we're our own worst enemies in that aspect when we're in the, in the water on a tournament. We just Fantastic. overthink ourselves and doubt ourselves a lot. So that's a good point. Yeah, for
3: sure. Absolutely.
2: How has the experience of fishing on a tournament changed your perspective or maybe your enjoyment of kayak fishing? is it something that you enjoy kayak fishing more or do you feel that at some point it's kind of ruined it because you would do it, you know, for like most people just to get away from the everyday um, life and, you know, being able to just be on the water and relax and clean your mind to where now it's actually down to business. Let's catch a fish. Like you mentioned, we, 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 are on a pressure now to catch fish and perform or not look like a fool at yeah. least, you know, does has, do you feel that your enjoyment is, Um, more now that you're thinking, even if you're not fishing for a tournament, you're pre-fishing, or even on your free time, you're now thinking of how to win a tournament versus how to enjoy the day. Do you feel that that's something that um,
3: has
2: affected you negative or possibly as far as you enjoy many kayak fishing?
3: Um, I would say, actually, after this past weekend, uh, it's definitely made me realize how much work goes into tournament Mm -hmm. fishing. And, you know, I, I spent all this time pre-fishing and learning this lake and trying to figure out what the fish were doing. And I mean, I spent a lot of time from morning to dark. I was there on Friday and Saturday, and then the tournament was on Sunday. And I mean, I was just mentally and physically exhausted. And so, you know, winning or get at least getting second place. I'm like, man, this is, you know, it was a great feeling. And then Monday morning, I'm back at work and I'm thinking, okay, I got to get ready for this next tournament. I'm like, man, I got to do all this work again. You know, I got to start studying this lake. I got to get out there and pre-fish. I got to cover water. And it's just like, man, it is exhausting. You do all this work. You do all this work to hopefully get, you know, third, second, first place. And you get there and you achieve it. And then you have this awesome moment. And then it's all over the next day. And you're like, you got to start all over again for the next tournament. Right. So, and that, you know, it kind of hit me that just this past Monday, I'm like sitting at work and I'm like, man, that was a lot of freaking work, you know, just for that one quick moment of satisfaction. And now I got to get ready for the next tournament and I don't want to fail. You know, I don't want to, you know, I want to prove myself. I want to keep this streak going because the last three tournaments, you know, I've done really well and I want to keep it going. So it's just like, if I wasn't in tournament fishing, I would just be planning on my next weekend where I'm going to stop and get a couple beers and find a lake to go fish. But now it's like, I got to do homework, you know, I got to get ready. and So it is, it's tiring, it's definitely exhausting. And there's definitely a lot more that goes into it than I realized, you know, before getting into this, but I, I'm still having a blast. I'm still loving it. Um, but, you know, we'll see if this is just going to be the only year that I do it, or if I maybe would we'll do it again next year. I don't know yet.
0: Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Do you
2: feel like uh, you like to at some point go on national tournaments,
3: that being KBF or OBBOS or Bassmasters? I don't think I'll ever get to that. You know, this tournament fishing kind of just started out as an idea mm. and you know it's just I was kind of getting bored of the same old same old weekend warrior, warrior stuff and I was like well you know maybe I'll throw some competition in this and then uh, I you know I heard about the KBL league that I'm in and I'm like well I'll check it out and I saw the list of lakes that they fish at and I'm like I you know I know most of these lakes and I'm like all right you know I'll, I'll try it out and so I'm, I'm having fun with it now but do I ever think I'd go on a national style league? And no, I don't think so. Even for one, like, one ever. So, like, not, not, not maybe like, let's
2: say, Cody Milton, Russ Snyder, Jody Quinn, all those guys that just kind of like travel the yeah. country, you know, in tournament. That's only a handful of people can be able to do that. And, I mean, good for them. But do you ever feel like, hey, if I see a Hobie BOS coming, I say Hobie BOS because, like you said, you don't like more, you don't, you're not into the motor trend right now. So, Hobie BOS is probably the, the only one that national level that uh, is just pedal or paddle only. So let's yeah. say Hobie Bos goes um, at least one tournament, one day
3: or two day tournament up in Wisconsin. Would you go up for that?
2: Kind of yeah, like would, to
3: test the water. Yeah, might as well. You know, just to say then that I've done it. Um, you know, if I, even if I placed bad, you know, or I did badly, at least I can say, yeah, you know, I, I tried it out. and it, Either it was for me or it wasn't for me. I I could see doing that for sure.
2: I've heard from another anglers. I've never done the Hobie BOS, but I've heard from other anglers. Once you do it, it's just the way that um, AJ, uh, who's the uh, trail director for Hobie BOS, um, sets up everything, kind of like focuses on the anglers. The experience of being the Hobie BOS is something like like nothing else out there. And uh, it's very like you want that, even if you don't do well, just the camaraderie and the way they... They help out the anglers and put anglers first. I've heard that is something that, um, you know, can be very addictive. But again, that, it's, it's a big commitment both financially um, for tournament fees and to travel, you know, back and forth. But it is, um, it is a, a great opportunity. And that's, that's something that we're just mentioning about um, the enjoyment of it. I, for one, I've started myself doing tournament fishing now, and I can see, like, the same thing that you are. It used to be that I would be like, like okay, man, I'm going to... Well, what what new leg do I want to try this weekend? And, and, you know, pack the... the uh, cooler with a couple of beers, some snacks, spend the day underwater, water, kind of, you know, venture a spirit where now it is like I'm on, you know, my at work thinking when's the next tournament? Where's right. it going to be? You know, yeah. um, what are going to be my techniques? I need to pre-fish it. So it kind of, like, takes a little bit away of it even today i was thinking about it i live next to or not next to i live a couple hours from lake fork which is just legendary for big
3: um big bass
2: and it is the towns that's around lake Fork are all about bass fishing you know they they leave it they breathe it and it's kind of like stepping back in time because it's so not driving but just the ambience the atmosphere is so far away from a big city that would be Dallas or Fort Worth that I love it. But then I was thinking, and I really want to go to Lake Fork. You know, I got some honey holes over there that I'm dying to catch those big bass. But it's like, I need to focus on the tournament. So I need to go to this lake, which some of them, the next one, I'm not going to say what it is, what's the next lake? But I really hate that lake. And I was like, now I'm spending, you know, my free my days off going to this lake that I absolutely hate because I can't right. figure it out. And even if I did, it's not known for producing big bass. Gotcha. So I was like, I'm not enjoying it as much. But yeah. it's that balance of, you know, if you want something, if you want to measure yourself in a tournament uh, against anglers with more experience, then you have to go through that grind, you know, you just have right. to balance it out and think. And then there's times where I'll just be like, you know what? On this one, I'm gonna prefish. I'm just not gonna prefish as much. Tomorrow instead of going that lake, I'm gonna go to my favorite lake and just have fun, and enjoy, have a couple of beers. So yeah, you have to balance it out. Um, but it's very interesting. Now I didn't ask you this, Vince, but
3: do you have your own family? Married, kids, anything like that? No. no. uh Wait. right now um I'm just, I have a girlfriend, you know, we bought a house together this past nice. year, and uh, she's waiting on that ring, so. Oh, yeah. Well, you got yeah. the house first, so.
2: I yeah, know, so. Detail
3: now. Yeah.
2: It's funny <laughs> it's how easy, easy it is to buy the house instead of a ring. It's a
3: lot more simple, you know, but exactly. hey. <laughs> it's Right. Oh, that's what I'm saying. What do we need the ring for? We got the whole house <laughs> just saving saving us trouble mm-hmm. for later.
2: <laughs> yeah and i gary and I'll tell you right now if you have you ever actually had to buy a ring get one one knee this would this be the first time you proposed yeah when if, so yeah, that's just as stressful as buying a house yeah it could be even more man, I tell you from experience, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> Now, and the reason why I ask is I wanted to ask you how you balance it out if you had kids or if you're married. Now, yeah. being that you're still in a relationship, and a, a serious relationship, for I can tell. How does that balance? How do you balance that out? Is this, does your wife like to go, I'm sorry, your girlfriend, does she like to go kayak fishing? Or is yeah. it one more thing where she's
3: just like, hey, don't forget about me? No, we, we actually just got her a new kayak. She's got um, a 2020 Flint uh, new canoe. And she loves it, you know, like she'll go out there with me for a couple hours, but then after, you know, a few hours of being on the water, she's like, okay, let's go. And I'm like, you know, as a fisherman, I'm like, I could spend all day out here. What all do you day. Mean? So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, she's supportive about it. And she's, she's happy that I did the tournaments this year. And she, you know, she's got my back for it. Um, what kind of s- sucked this year was, you know, coronavirus kind of screwed everything up. So my league had to smash like all these lakes that we would have fished in the beginning of the year. You know, we had to push them all into August or, uh, July. So, you know, I've been doing back-to-back tournaments. And so that's kind of wearing on her a little bit cause I haven't been home the last few weekends, but, you know, I'm explaining to her, explain, explain to her, you know, it's not always going to be like this. And, you know, the Rona messed everything up for us this year. So at least, at least as a
2: husband or
3: boyfriend we can have the Rona to, uh,
2: Blame for a couple of things, right? Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you know, right. Serona, it's, it's Rona, my love. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. But um, that—that's a good point. Um, yeah, I. Every time my wife will ask me, "It's like, are you going fishing, Mario? Yeah. When will you be back?" I'm like, "We're we gonna, we're we gonna start an argument right now." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I cannot. Dark. give you, I'm like dark o'clock. I mean, yeah. It's like don't expect me to. The last weekend was it. I actually, I was fishing with Catherine Fields. Um, and I, w- I was going to, I told my wife, I'll be out of water at noon because I really had to do some stuff. And I actually had to record um, an episode for my podcast. But once I'm on the water, I don't want to leave, man. Especially when yeah. you're fishing one of the top anglers. and I'm learning so much. T- she, I'm, I'm watching her, what she's doing. She's telling me what techniques she's doing and what base she's using. And I was like, this is like an encyclopedia of knowledge. I don't want to leave. Finally, sure. she says, have to leave. I'm like, okay, good, because I have to leave too. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife is like, Are you okay? I'm like, Yeah, what? What's on? It's like you're about two hours late, and I know you got a podcast to record. So yeah, it's one of those things where it's hard to give a timetable when she asks me, like, what time yeah. are you gonna? Oh, you don't wanna ask me. Because <clears throat> it's might <laughs> as well have an argument now. <laughs> It is very addicting though, and uh, you can spend all day in the water. I mean, oh, I would—I I literally could go from dawn till dusk fishing on the water um, with just like a little sandwich, um, yeah, and, uh, and, and a little you know protein bar, and I'm good. But yeah. God forbid on a Saturday I'm home and my wife doesn't cook something for my dinner. It's <laughs> 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 And then you get that argument. It's like, well. How come you can stay 12 hours, pedaling right. miles, and just be on a freaking sandwich and a Gatorade? That? <laughs> Anyways, we can go without that rabbit hole. What um, Are you in the running for Angler of the Year, or do they have Angler
3: of the Year in your tournament? Uh, they do, but it's kind of set up a little bit differently. Um, it's not really based off of just fishing. Uh, they have a lot of extra curricular style stuff that you can do to uh receive angler of the year points and um right now i'm like 12th out of 50 guys and i'm not really doing the extra stuff that i probably should be doing to get the angler of the year points um you know being my first year i kind of wanted to just do this and test the waters you know i wasn't really expecting anything much more than that so if i do this again next year maybe then i'll give it a little bit more thought and effort into it. But as of right now, I'm just kind of having fun and still learning this whole tournament style of fishing. Yeah. Yeah, the best you can hope for in a
2: tournament when, when first season as a tournament is just learning experience. You know, anything right. beyond that is, you know, gravy. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. What kind of uh, extracurricular activities is it that if it's not fishing they are using points for? If you don't mind me asking. Um,
3: no, I don't mind. Uh, so they have a couple of different... Things that you can do. You can do like garbage cleanups at a, a lake, you know, or a, a pond that you fish at. Um, you can share different things on Facebook about the club. Uh, you can write articles for their website. Um, what else is on there? Uh, you know, I'm drawing a blank, but it's it's mostly just small stuff like that. that that's uh, yeah, we
2: get the gist of it, I guess. Um, that's interesting. I mean, I like the fact that it's like motivating you to do um for the community, do work for the yeah. community, you know sure um help out the growth of the the league um uh, have clean legs, you know do stuff for the community. that's wonderful i what well, the only thing that I me personally and uh, just by listening to what just by the little from Mitch i I just kind of right now, the only thing I don't like is like what well, kind of takes away from the actual angler that um is going out there and putting up big numbers. Maybe he doesn't have the time, or maybe so-and-so is just as good, but happens to have more free time to do all the extracludes activity extra. Never mind. I'm gonna even yeah, try? I got <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think like in and this is just me thinking, uh kind of brainstorming that now. It would probably be better to have like a separate recognition of for that hey this is the one who did perform the best on the water and let's give another award here to whoever did more for the community and maybe give them like you know like a rod or real combo some type of merch or something like that no and it's that's it's
3: it's been the same feeling with a lot of the other guys in the club you know i made a lot of new friends because of this and uh talking with them you know they feel the same way and you know they even kind of told me because i've placed in top four the last three tournaments and i'm still 12th in angler of the year points you know that's kind of shady you know it kind of sucks as to where you know there's guys that are ahead of me that have been doing terrible and but just because they did all the extra you know curricular points they're way ahead of me in angler points you know which to me i don't really mind this year because like i said it's you know it's my first year doing this so i can't really expect too much out of it but in a way, I, I can see where the guys that have been doing this for a long time that are com- you know competing in these tournaments to do really well to get points. And then in the end, they're just finding out that they're getting shafted because you know they didn't go and clean up garbage that weekend.
2: Yeah, that's uh, I can definitely see that. That's my first thought when you said that. I'm like, nah. I mean, I'll give them props, whoever is directing and come up with that. Yeah, give them props for, you know give an incentive to people to do the community and clean up and all that. That's great. I mean, props to them, at least the, the mindset and the heart, it's in the right place. But having said that, if you want to do that, I think it should be like two separate awards. Now, let me ask you something as currently as it is, um on that club does the angler of the year actually win anything other than the recognition like is there like monetary value to winning the angler of the year
3: uh i'm not entirely sure i know there's um like an angler of the year trophy that they'll get at a like recognition dinner that we're gonna do um but otherwise i'm not really sure what else comes with it you know I'm st- like i said i'm still learning how this is yeah. being run so i'm not too sure
2: yeah, maybe it's something that can uh, they can expand on just having two separate awards and then giving each one you know free stuff or some of the winnings. I don't know how that works on each tournament is different, right. But yeah, I can see how that some some of the, especially the more experienced anglers, there would be kind of, a little bit ticked off at, yeah. uh, at that format, and it's probably something that we will have to address. Although, so until somebody figures out, hey, you know what, we can make our own club and not have to go through this.
3: Yeah, yeah. right.
2: It's not that hard to make a club, honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard work, but just to build it from the ground up is not, you know, that's not that hard. You just right. maintaining it and keeping it growing is what's more harder than that. Yeah. Also, awesome. What are you looking forward next uh, next year as far as not just kayak fishing, I mean not just the tournament thing, but you personally going as
3: a kayak angler? What are you looking forward the most? Um. Well, I for sure can't wait to be done with coronavirus. Yeah. I want that to be over. With. Uh, but because then you know we missed out on like five or six of our tournaments already this year because of the coronavirus, and those that's five or six lakes that I could have learned and developed more skill on you know so next year if I do this again hopefully we have a full schedule and I can compete in all these lakes and develop as an angler and just continue to keep learning you know it's a great thing about this sport as you are always learning even the top guys the pros you know they're still learning every day in this sport and so I think just continuing my knowledge and bass fishing is what I'm mostly looking forward to next year. That's pretty cool, man. So let's do this,
2: Vince. Let's do a little, little segment. We're gonna call fun, fun facts about Vince, and it's gonna okay. be more like goofy questions. Some of them are gonna be kayak fishing related. Other words, gonna be other ones are gonna be, uh, would you rather kind of stuff. So are you okay. ready? Yeah, let's do it. First of all, you said you work for the Parks and Recs department, right? Yeah. Okay, so you, you're familiar with that TV show, Parks and Rec, right? Sure. We we're talking yep. about it. So which character of Parks and Rec do you?
0: A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life.
1: Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. I'll be over there, baby. Right there.
0: Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.
2: Relate to the most. <laughs>
1: if you uh, could have one
2: of you play
3: you, which one would it be? oh man you know what i gotta admit to you man i've never even watched the show no <laughs> <laughs> i've never seen the show no no nope, uh uh-uh. i can't even relate to it well i mean just... i know it
1: uh uh-huh.
3: good i i was gonna say like i know that there's something similar to what i do in the show there's got to be right parks and rec is what yeah. i do <laughs> my wife but loves no it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it's a great show. I just honestly, I don't even really watch much TV at all. And same here. I watch it just because my wife's always watching it. Yeah. You know what? I pick one
2: for you. Ron, Ron Swanson. I'm sure you'll love it. If you ever watch that show, watch Ron Swanson. Uh, okay. Ron Swanson. I think that's his name, Ron Swanson. Yeah, with the mustache. Um, yeah, he's the funniest one. So let's pick okay. Ron Swanson. Okay. Awesome. Hey. So, um, if you on your free time as your hobby, if you wouldn't be able to do kayak fishing or fishing in any form what would you be doing uh, bodybuilding
3: i Very actually cool. love yeah i actually love going to the gym that's like my second hobby um if i'm not fishing and i'm not at home and i'm most most likely at the gym and so actually one day what i would like to do is compete in a bodybuilding uh competition so yeah oh cool. that's pretty cool man okay so if you weren't
2: if you're not bass fishing, what other type of uh, fish would you be targeting?
3: Um hmm. maybe walleye, just because walleye? I like to eat. Yeah, just because I like to eat walleye. <laughs> nice. When yeah. do, have you ever do you ever actively go fishing for walleye? Uh, during the wintertime when I go, I'm a hardcore ice fisherman. And oh, so really? yeah, when I go ice fishing, I'm mostly targeting walleye. Nice. I heard that's the one they taste the best. Oh, like, yeah. It,
2: uh, it's a lot, the meat is a lot firmer and all that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Cool. Favorite uh, um, rod and reel setup?
3: It would be my eight foot HP Extreme Dobbins flipping stick on 20 pound fluoro and physics with a loose uh, seven to one reel with flipping probably a Kite, uh, uh strike king structure bug, and uh, just wailing on hook sets.
2: Well, that is a big um rod for a flipping Oh, yeah, set.
3: yeah, God, I would I never
2: have thought of it, it. I would be missing the mark so much with the, such a big rod.
3: I don't know, man. I just love that rod. I mean, you really you barely even have to set the hook, and like because it's just got such a good backbone yeah. to that rod, it's just like nothing.
2: Yeah. That is eight foot. Wow. Yeah. That's a big, I usually try to get something like six and a half or something just because of the pinpointing of my targets, I would yeah. figure the eight foot way too much, but props to you, man. That's you, you feel, are you comfortable on oh, one yeah. to ten, when, when it comes to hitting the mark, that's sweet spot where you want to hit on. How, how good are you from one to uh, nine and a half? Really? That's a lot of conference.
3: Yeah. Conference. Oh my God. I, lo- I, sometimes I don't put that rod down all weekend. Uh, if I, especially if I'm on a good flipping bite, you know, if I find like a good weed edge, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm flipping this weed edge. Oh my God. So much fun. Um, actually I had a tournament on Lake Delavan in Wisconsin and that's how I got fourth place was I was just flipping weed lines and, uh, you know, just taking, um, a, a flipping style creature bait, letting it sink down to the bottom, feel that bite. And I just wail on those hook sets, man.
2: I'm gonna have to pick your brain after we finish recording on this because that's one thing that I've been trying to get better at. But um jigs and flipping, I for the life of me, I maybe I caught like a handful of them throughout the last three years that I've been doing kayak fishing. It's like I I, I mean, I'm not bad at aiming. I can skip on the dock decently, you know, not a nine and a half out of ten, but Man, I, for whatever reason, I just don't get results. I don't know what it is. I went to, when I was with Catherine Fields, I was practicing my flip and I took like a couple of hours just flipping, flipping, flipping. And I was landing it pretty much where I wanted to. It's like, you know, um, on, um, uh, oh my God, I forgot the word, heavy vegetation. So I was landing pockets you know, uh, that I wanted to, but I was getting no results at all. Granted, no one that was flipping on that area was anyway, so I figured maybe it's not that I'm necessarily doing something wrong. So maybe that bite is just not happening that day.
3: Right. But it's something
2: that I really want to work on and get better at.
3: Yeah.
2: Awesome, so you probably, we were talking about your favorite uh, rod and reel setup. Uh, my next question is, what was your favorite technique? But I think we pretty much covered that right now. Oh
3: yeah. Flipping? Yeah, definitely. What's your second favorite technique? Dragging a jig. Um, if I can find fish on isolated rock piles out deep and they want to eat uh, a jig being dragged across their face, oh, man, it's another great way to catch them. Just like flipping, you know, you feel that bite or you see the line taken off and just wailing into that hook set. Oh, man, it's just so much fun. If you, we had a choice to fish one, and, I, and it
2: changes, obviously, with the uh, spawning, post spawning, and all that, and the weather and all that. But what do you you rather be fishing at, up shallow or
3: deep ledges or deep structure? Ooh, um, I think it just depends on the time of the year. Like, you know, early spring, spring, I like fishing up shallow. When those fish start to move up and they're feeding on bait fish, then I like being up shallow. But if it's like dog days of the summer and everyone else is up shallow and they're struggling to get bit, and it's because those fish are sitting in 25, 30 feet of water, and I'm out there dragging a jig along some rock piles, and you feel that thump on the rock, I and mean, it's just nothing beats it. Yeah. So, you know, but I, I'd probably say that summertime bite, if you can find them on isolated rock piles out deep, oh man, there's just nothing like it. All right, so all things being equal, because I know, like I said, it changes
2: your preference on catching fish is uh that deep structure you rock piles and all that yeah for sure yeah it's definitely more exciting a lot harder especially when you're in a kayak yeah um so vince thank you so much for joining our show i really appreciate it i know i've had you almost for an hour talking so i don't want to take too much of your time i'm sure you got other stuff to do but before i let you go vince uh if you want to take a few moments to thank um, anybody that you want to thank, whether it's family, friends, somebody in your personal life, uh, sponsors. Oh, before I let you go, no, I forgot. I can't let you go. Yeah, we were talking to talk a little bit about sponsorship. You you wanted to touch on, thum- on some things that you kind of like learned the hard way on sponsoring. Yeah. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that because I know you got some information, some helpful tips out there for those people that kind of like so, getting into that sponsor craze sure.
3: I'll give you some of my background, um, how it kind of all started. Uh so I have a pretty large following on Instagram. Um, I've Mm -hmm. had my Instagram account for I don't know, seven years. And I'm I'm on there constantly and I and I am posting as much good content as I can that people want to see. And I think that's why I've developed such, you know, a pretty decent following. Well, with that following, you're gonna get a lot of sponsorships that notice you a lot of companies that notice you and they want to put their name out there and I got to the point to where I was like just taking you know as many as I could because I I felt that it was going to make me a better fisherman or I, I felt that other people would see me and think wow he's got all these sponsors you know he must know what he's doing or he must be a good angler you know and it was just kind of like a, a false self of appreciation you know it just mm-hmm. you know so I don't know. One day it just kind of hit me like, man, you know, what am I doing? I've, I've I've got these sponsors that I'm supporting and I don't even use their product or I don't even like their product. And I'm telling other people, hey, you should be using this when I myself don't even do it, you know, and, and I'm doing all of this for a 10% discount code, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it was kind of like a rude awakening. One day I'm looking at my Instagram profile and I'm like, man, you know, this isn't me. This isn't who, who I am. This isn't what I want to represent or mislead yeah. other people with. So beginning of 2019, it was January 1st, I sent out a professional email to all of my sponsors and I thanked them for their time and I thanked them for all they did for me and a couple of my sponsors that were really hard for me to get rid of that I'd been with since they started and they developed into huge companies. You know, I, I even dropped them and I, I had to explain to them, you know what, 2019, I'm doing me this year. I'm, I'm putting on a white t-shirt. And I did it all of of 2019. I just had no sponsor. I just fished for the love of the sport. I just did me that year. And I got to tell you, it was one of the best years I ever had. Um, Good I, was just, I was able to have a clear head when I was out there fishing and just wasn't out there to make uh, Instagram posts. You know, I was just out there just to fish and do me. And it just felt freaking awesome. And 2020 rolls around and I'm like, you know, what? I'm doing it again. I'm going to continue to be me. And I had spot my old sponsors reach out to me and like you know hey you know it's 2020 you want to join us again you want to be on the crew and it's like no you know what i'm going to keep doing me this year even with the tournaments and everything it's just awesome being you know me just doing my own thing and not having to worry about you know who i'm representing or you know what i'm throwing or yada yada and i you know i just want to tell anyone else listening that's thinking you know man, I need to be sponsored. I need to have these companies, you know, I need to look legit. No, just go out there and just fish for the love of this sport. Just go out there and do what you know, you love doing. Don't, you know, it's not all about having all these patches on your back, you know, show people that you can fish, show people that you know what you're doing just by doing you, you know, you don't need a, the support of all these brands on, you know, on your arm or on your fishing Jersey you're going to look even more better out there with a white t-shirt on fishing and catching fish uh against people that are sponsored by all these companies and they're in last place you know here you are with a white t-shirt kicking ass so that's just what i kind of wanted just to get out there
2: yeah and and i appreciate that because i and we're not criticizing or judging anyone we have gone through that i went through that granted i i don't have I have like 1% or 10% of what the following that you have. And for those out there that don't know, and you're already at that mark, once you get more than 10,000 followers, that's when companies really want you because now you have the ability on your stories to hit up links and what, that's what they really, that's the, the social media uh, creators that they want. The ones that, hey man, they can, once you get an in Instagram, for those that don't know, once you get to 10,000 on Instagram, you can now on your stories, post a hyperlink where people can just click and go to the hyperlink. And a lot of companies um, that are looking to pro staff, that's the ones they're looking for, because it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier for you as the content creator and a lot easier for them to get recognition once you can have the ability for for them to do that, or have the ability for you to do that for yourself on Instagram. I'm tripping on my own words here, but you get the idea. So yeah. You obviously reached at that level at 10,000. Um, I don't even, I, 10, maybe 10% of what you have is what I have on mine. But I even at 500 followers, I would still get offers, you know, the typical 10, 20%, here's your discount code. And I fell into that trend as well. And there were some that I, I kind of embarrassed now to say, man, I put my name on this. I don't even like this product. And I'm right. telling people out there, they're great products and all that. And it's a learning experience. Don't don't ever. And that that's my advice to those out there listening that want to grow their social media. Don't don't do it to get sponsors. Don't do it for yourself. Do it. It things come. Right now, I'm being sponsored by Douglas. I have a and I have a generous a um, uh, deal with Douglas. I never when I started doing the podcast or my social media was I even thinking that I could be involved with just a great company like. Douglas I do it because it really is uh something that's going to save me a lot of money on something that can be very expensive like rods um and I believe in their products I wouldn't do it I wouldn't be sponsored I wouldn't be promoting Douglas rods if I didn't believe on them I believe that's one of the best products out there as far as rods are concerned um and that's why I do it but I never dreamt that I would be able to do that that opportunity just came up because of the sex that I found doing the podcast, especially right. now that I'm on paddle and fin, and I'm super proud of it. Um, but those days of getting that twenty percent discount, no, I'm I'm done with that. Um, and I urge people out there. I mean, each one, you know, like they like the others um, saying, "Do you boo? You know, do your own thing. If that's what you want to do, do it. Of um, course, but then don't get too caught up at it. Don't think that's going to make you that's going to gain you more respect a lot of times, depending on the company that you choose, people can see through it. And it actually, it actually, people in the know that are in, you know, head of kayak fish for a long time, or even fish, know what companies are serious and ones that are like, yeah, you're one of the bunches actually takes a little credibility from you. If you're trying to sponsor or promote a company out there that is not respected, um, Within exactly. the crack fishing community. So that's something yep. to consider.
0: Brave anglers search for the one they call King, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from twelve to six PM Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.
2: Um, but yeah, my, my advice to people, I've I've seen I used to follow, I'm not gonna name names, but I used to follow an account that i have, loved it i chatted with that guy a bunch of times and i would ask him hey man how do you how do you how's your podcast i mean how, not the podcast how's your social media growing so much and he would tell me "Yo, you have to post five times a day and, and i was like oh cool man i'll start doing that i'll start and then i realized i don't fish enough or catch enough fish to start posting five pictures a day because it's you know i'm not gonna do math right now but five pictures a day how many photos of a fish can you take? And then I found myself for like a month just recycling the same pi- picture or same fish just at a different angles. And it's like, and I'm looking like an idiot out there taking 20 pictures of a 12-inch bass because that's what I caught. It's, it's one of those things, again, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. Uh, props, I wish you success to everybody that's out there. But my advice, and it's kind of like you said, do it for yourself. You know, yeah. you're not out there to take selfies granted. You take some pictures, you post them um, And hopefully that will get you With a serious company um, and that'll be great. But again, do it for yourself uh, Don't do it to try to sell and going back to that um, account that I used to follow His content went from being posting great pictures and videos of him fishing to now every other post is about trying to sell you something a merge a product the subscription and all that and I, to the end I was like yeah I'm not following this account anymore cuz yeah. now this this all the posts here now or every every other post it's not about fishing it's about somebody trying to sell you something and profit exactly out of it. and there's nothing exactly. wrong with it if you want to live out of that you make a living out of it Heck, you know do it but i again i and I'm going on a long rant here but and I apologize for that but again do it because you want to do it. What's going to make you happy? Do kayak fishing. There's a lot more about kayak fishing than getting a sponsor or posting a picture of it. Do it because you enjoy it and you love it. And it's going to make improve your life in some way or the other, not because you want sponsorship. Right. Anyways, that's my tangent. <laughs> but thank you for bringing that up. We talked about our appreciation. I almost forgot about it. I didn't want to keep you too late. Um, anything else that you wanted to add about that? no no
3: just kind of like what you said you know do you do it because you are out there because you love this sport you know don't do it out there for other people or to make it look like you're something that you're not
2: yeah i agree i think i got cut off there a little are you still there vince yeah i'm here okay sorry i my uh, computer froze for a second so vince before i let you go like i was saying i want to take you I'm gonna give you a few minutes to thank whoever you want to thank, whether it be companies, uh, family members, friends. Go ahead and do do you do. Uh, What is it? Do you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh,
3: I would have to thank my grandmother just for getting me into this sport. You know, if uh, she didn't take me out there on on that dock in front of her cabin in northern Wisconsin, I you know I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, So I'd have to definitely thank my grandmother for getting me involved and taking me out fishing and creating the monster that she created today (laughs) awesome man anybody else um you know my my brother passed away yeah oh i'm sorry no it's okay but my brother (laughs) uh, yeah um thanks babe if you're listening (laughs) for supporting me
2: yeah.
1: Um, buddy, no, go ahead. My dreams. Buddy, yeah,
3: but serious. No, yeah, you're talking about your brother. Yeah, my brother passed away seven years ago, and he was a big saltwater fisherman. He lived in Florida, and um, he used to live in Illinois with me. And he would take me out fishing, also. And uh, you know, he kind of was one of those people that he like what we were just talking about. He did him. He didn't do anything to impress anybody else or to be a fake or something like that. My brother was always true to who he was. And so that kind of rubbed off on me. You know, I went a little sidetrack and crazy there with the sponsorships. But then I had that awakening and I had that day where I woke up, you know, and I said, you know, I'm not being me. I'm not doing, you know, what I want to be doing. And so, you know, I got to thank my brother for that, too, for, you know, always continuing to teach me to be me and do just what I want to do. And uh, so I would thank my brother for sure. Definitely.
2: Definitely. And I know it's seven years ago, but it's still, uh, you know, it's still something that affects But I'm glad you had the opportunity that, you know, the time that you did had. And you exactly. Yeah. I thank God connects. for that every day. Yeah. Well, Vince, yeah. thank you so much for joining the show. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to, um, you know, watching what you have next on social media. If anybody wants to follow
3: you, what uh, social media platforms do you have? And what names can they follow you under? Uh, I would say just follow me on Instagram at vm_fishing, fishing, and uh, hopefully I can post more content that people want to see and just, you know, spread the love of kayak fishing. It's still, you know, a, a sport that's blooming and, you know, it's taking off like wildfire. And, you know, I want to continue to show this sport to everyone else and maybe one day get someone else involved in kayak fishing.
2: Thank you. Thank you for all you do for the community. Thank you for, um, you know, handling, like you said, social media responsibility. Uh, I'm always big on that, watching um, social media content creators handle it in a responsible manner. Uh, And that's actually the reason why I wanted to to bring you on the show. I I very nitpicky about who I want to bring on the show that I don't really know or that it's not in the tournament scene. Like, I know you're not that well-known, you know, as far as the tournament scene goes but I've been keeping an eye on your social media for a while. I've always liked the way that you handle yourself as far as handling the social media. So thank you for that. Vince, we wish you the best moving forward. Lots of success on the tournament thing, uh, scene, I'm sorry. And, uh, again, man, we're looking forward to, to seeing, uh, content on social media. Once again, you can follow him on Instagram and, uh, hopefully we'll come back in the future and talk a little bit more. Teach me a little bit about
3: uh, flipping and juicing jigs. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure, man. Thank you
2: again. And for those out there listening, if you're stacking around um, till here, I uh, appreciate it, man. Have uh, a wonderful day. Enjoy. If you're going out fishing this week or this weekend, enjoy. Be responsible. Please wear your PFDs. If you're going to have a beer or two, again, do it responsibly. Keep safe. Um, and enjoy. And go slay them.
1: Tight lines, everyone. Have a great day. For a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water shout out to Rocktown adventures located in northern illinois for all your kayaking camping and hiking needs trc covers protect your investment catch products shout out to catch products go to catchproducts.com and put the paddle and fin logo directly on your catch board shout out to jig masters jigs when in doubt get the jig out go to jigmasters.com use promo code